Blog Talk Radio. Truth on blogtalkradio.com and I'm your host Michael Fordham. If you just click the link on my webpage or you're listening on blogtalkradio.com or even the Blog Talk Radio player on my Facebook page and you want to call in live, look, we'd love to talk with you. So give us a call. The number is 347-326-9470. Oh, need a minute to get something to write with? But don't worry, I'll give the number again right after the commentary. Or if you like, you can Twitter me your questions and comments at twitter.com slash a measure of truth. Also, if you haven't yet, why don't you look me up on Facebook? I'm the Michael Fordham with a photo of me in studio, and you can always email me your questions and comments at a measure of truth at gmail.com. Look, we got a great show for you today. We'll be right back after this. Even now, after all he has been through, Darius Glover is a talented young writer with an all-out passion for motocross. With several career wins at the local level under his belt, as well as being named Most Valuable Rider at the 2010 X Games, the sky is the limit. But tragically, during a race on July 1st of 2006, it seemed to many that Darius's career had come to an untimely end. He was involved in a crash that left him paralyzed from the waist down with no hope from the doctors that he would ever walk again. But still Darius had only one thing on his mind, getting back on a bike. Through incredible determination, ingenuity, 
and an unwavering support from family and friends. Darius is not only back on the bike, he is well on his way to reaching his goal of winning a title. Darius is currently the only adaptive rider in the world who races against able-bodied riders. As if motocross isn't enough, Darius has a passion for flying planes and looks forward to sharing his story of hard work, hope, and determination through motivational speaking. Darius Glover, welcome to A Measure of Truth. Hey, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome, man. <laughs> you know, really, thanks for joining us. You know, I only heard about you only about a week ago, and your story just kind of blew me away. And uh, I'm really excited to have you on because of your, your tenacity and your determination. Um, just tell us a little bit about your background and um, how long have you been riding motocross competitively? Uh, I've been riding motocross since I was about seven years old. I'm 21 now. So. Mm-hmm. Pretty long time. Uh, my brother started riding, and uh, I've always wanted to ride. And I've been asking my mom and parents and for a bike for a long time, and they finally got me a bike and went to a race. And from there, I never looked back, and we've just been racing since. Wow, that that's pretty awesome. So you've got family who also enjoy the sport as well, and we're going to come back to that because, um, you know, you you had quite the career and. Um, it's funny because you've gotten quite a bit of accolades after the accident. But um, take us back to that day. Um, what actually happened? Uh, it was a it was a jump out of the corner. It's called a double. And uh, I did it a few times. And it was my last time going around to do it, the last lap. And I switched lines to the outside. I was jumping it from the inside. And uh, I switched lines to the outside, and it was wet. I didn't know it and came up on it and lost all the momentum coming up to it, and I didn't make it all the way. And I went over the handlebars, and the bike ended up landing on my back, and uh, it caused me to have a broken back. And wow. I'm paralyzed. Now, did you instantly know how badly you were hurt? Uh, I didn't know right away. I kind of I lay there for a little while. Everybody was running over to me, and I went to get up, and my legs were not working. I went to try to get up a second time, and I just, couldn't figure out what was going on. And by the third time I tried to stand up, uh, I realized that my legs wasn't working and instantly kicked in and I was paralyzed. And uh, as soon as I tried to get up that third time, it just felt like someone set my back on fire. It just hurt so bad. It's kind of how I knew I was paralyzed from that point on. Wow, so you, you knew it before the doctors knew it? Uh, I knew it before, doc- before the doctors knew it, before I even got to the hospital. I mean, I didn't even know exactly what it was. Par- par- being paralyzed was, but it kind of just it kind of just kicks in. It's like an instinct. So you kind of just know. It's kind of hard to explain, but once you once you feel it, you know. Wow. How old were you then? I was fifteen. Fifteen. Wow. Yep. And, and so, scary. yeah, I, I'm sure it was. And so, you know, initially, what what thoughts went through your mind when you realized just how bad off you were? I mean, I really didn't know. I just thought maybe, you know, when I, once I get to the hospital, maybe maybe something will happen. I didn't really know, but as soon as I got to the hospital, they medicated me. I was pretty much out from there. Wow. So did they actually try to do anything to help you with their surgery or anything like that? or? Yeah, they actually, I can't remember exactly how many days it was, but I know they did surgery on me, and I lay there for a while. I started to... They started to do different te- run different tests on me in a different 
number of different things, but I was I was out of it because of the medication that they gave me. So I really don't remember the first couple of days of my after that, but uh, it was a pretty hard time. What, when would when do you think you thought in your mind that um, you were going to find a way to ride again? Uh, it took me a, it took me a little while. I got surgery and uh, I was in the hospital for a few days. And after the medication, everything wore off. I uh, you know family and friends were visiting. And I was in the hospital from July first to the eighteenth, and they sent me. I was in Pennsylvania, and they sent me to Maryland to actually where I'm from, to Johns Hopkins called uh, Kennedy Krieger, and I started doing a little bit of moving around and stretches and things like that, and uh, they found a small bump in my back, and I, you know, was working out, and there's actually the rods and screws they put in my back, they came undone, undone and started to, like, come out, and wow. I had to go to another, a second immediate surgery, and that was when I got the hope that I would walk again mm-hmm. after that second surgery. Oh, wow. So you have been in the wheelchair for how many years now? Uh, six now, since 2006. Now, when when you decided, <laughs> I mean, motocross is a really physical sport. You know, I've ridden before. Uh-huh. And, and I know that in order for you to maneuver your center and maneuver that bike and to shift your weight, yeah, yeah. That's what you need to do to ride. How did you ride without being able to do that? <laughs> a lot of people ask me that question. I just just kind of get on and, I don't know, you don't really think about it too much, but you kind of do it using your core, like your core muscles. So I, mm-hmm. I work on, like, my trainer and me work a lot on, like, my, you know, my core muscles and because that's what I have to use to move the bike and everything. And it took a while for me to actually get actually good and faster, but, just from practicing it, just you know, you get stronger just from practicing, and that's kind of mm-hmm. kind of how you do it. It's just kind of like skill from doing it for so long. It's kind of like skill, and it's all kind of comes, you know, comes to you. I mean, it's gonna. And I, I was talking to my mom the other day, and it kind of uh, kind of was the same thing when I was little. Before I could even fully walk, I was riding a, a pedal bike, and uh, I couldn't really stop. Like I would get on it and ride the bike, you know, jump on it from the curb. And you know, ride it, and I couldn't touch the ground, so I never really stopped. I would ride into the bushes. That's kind of how I'm doing now. I can't really put my feet down when I'm done, so uh-huh. I kind of just have someone catch me. Right. Kind of the same, <laughs> the same, you know, same thing almost. <laughs> wow. Now, um, so this is the other thing, though. You talked about your injuries when when you're doing these jumps. And, and this is what you sort of have to do to be able to compete and be competitive. There are certain things that you just can't avoid. And um, how is it that you're able to 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 take, um, you know, that reentry after going, you know, for the big air and coming back down and controlling that as well? Like, how do I control it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you see guys when they go up over a jump, you see them stand up and then they come down. And they're still on their legs with the legs bent. So I, I know that's a part of the cushioning. How are you able to to, to cushion your landings and things like that? And how did you figure this out? Now, let me just ask this question as well, because you already knew how to ride. But then with this injury, that took a lot of those things away from you that helped you to become a good rider. And you still became 
an awesome writer anyway. So what was the mindset that helped you to be able to continue to think your way through to be able to figure out how to write again and write so well? A lot of hard work. <laughs> a lot of hard work, but uh, pretty much just trying different things out. I mean, it's, it was kind of a trial and error at first. It was just different things. You know, I just, they put me on a bike when I came home, and uh, it wasn't really set up for me. And we just had to think of ways. I, I would actually sit in the hospital and think of how I could get back on a bike. And uh, it took a long time, but, you know, a lot of friends helped me. And I would mm-hmm. sit there and kind of draw sketches and try to figure it out. And my friend Daniel actually put me on his bike at the track. And uh, he let me ride around the pits for a little while. I still had balance. I mean, I couldn't really control it because the brake was by my foot and everything like that. But... I still have my balance and everything, so I figured if I moved everything up on my handlebars mm-hmm. and I put a cage around me so I wouldn't hurt my legs, then maybe I'll be able to ride again. And we kind of just started doing it, and it just kind of came to. And my mom actually didn't want me to ride at all at first. I bet. Actually, yeah, she was pretty. She still is pretty scared sometimes, and mm-hmm. so she knows I love it, so she helps me out, and you know she supports it. But at first, she was. No, you're not riding. And uh, she actually went to work. And I told a bunch of my friends and, you know, other families at the track that I wanted to get another bike. And they kind of did a little fundraiser for me and raised a lot of money. And my dad, wow. you know, he kind of supported it, kind of supported it halfway. He, <laughs> he told me that he would help me a little while, a little bit. Just don't tell my mom. <laughs> and uh, she went to work one day and she came home and I actually had a bike already. My dad went. And me and my dad went and bought a bike, and my grandma told me, as long as I bring it in the house and get it apart before my mom gets home, then she was she was she would allow it. So it's kind of what we did. My mom came home, and I had my bike sitting in my room. <laughs> 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 and uh, from then on, we kind of just started customizing it, and we just tried different things, and somehow we got a bike that actually worked for me. It didn't work completely, but it. it it got the job done. I was able to ride it, and we would try different things. And if it didn't work, we would come back home and, you know, switch a couple of things around and go try it the next day. And kind of how we just got a bike set up for now. Now, have other people who have been injured and um, been able to look at your setup, and have you been able to help them out as well? Have you come up with a design that can be um, shared with other folks that um, are paraplegics as well? Yeah, I actually have a lot of people on Facebook that contact me and ask me different things. The only thing is that everybody everybody rides a different way. Mm-hmm. So everybody's bike has to be set up a different way. And that's kind of like, that's kind of how it is. That's kind of how I ride and cushion. Like when you ask about how I cushion, you know, for jump, it's all about suspension and different things like that. So right. like when I take jumps and I land, my suspension has to be set up a different way. Right. And uh, that's kind of how everybody else, everybody else that asked me, you know, about setup, they have to have, they have to go and test suspension and make sure it works for them. And I just have a, right now I have some suspension that's working. I actually need to do more testing on it. But the suspension I have for right now, it is actually working to get the job done. But a lot of people contact me about it. And Darius, let me ask you a question. 
I mean, we sort of skipped over a certain part of this in your healing and um, rehabilitation. Were, were you ever depressed, and were you ever in a state of mind where you were ready to give up? Uh, no, I mean, when it first happened, I really didn't know what was going on because it was so much commotion and people coming to visit, and I was just happy that a lot of people were coming to visit. And I always told myself that, you know, I would, I would be back walking. I would always be back walking. So I never thought negative about it. I always told myself that, you know, someday I will, I will be walking. And mm-hmm. it came from the first doctor because the first doctor, the first thing he ever said to me is that you'll never walk again, you'll never ride again. Hmm. You know, my mom, she freaked out at first, and she was she was pretty scared about that. And I told her, like, you know, mom, don't worry about it. You know, I I will be walking. The doctor doesn't know what he's talking about. And just from me saying that, that kind of helped me throughout my whole recovery because that's, I've always told myself that you know, the doctor doesn't know. I'll, as long as you work hard, you can do whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. I felt like I worked hard enough to get myself back to where I wanted to be. And uh, so it's kind of what I've always stuck by is as long as I work hard, I'll be back on my feet. And that's, that's what got me through the whole thing. You just keep working and don't think negative. As long as you keep the negative thoughts away, and it, it'll come. Wow. Well, tell I'm me something, really Darius. What, what inspires you to try so hard, and what inspires you to stay so focused and determined? I have a lot of people that come up to me and, you know, they tell me how I inspire them and different things like that. And then just seeing my parents, I, how hard they work, it just motivates me to keep pushing forward and keep working. And I feel like if, if I work hard, then it helps other people because they see me working hard and they try just as hard as I do. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that helps a lot because as long as I'm helping other people, I feel good about everything that I'm doing. Now, you, you have sponsors and... Um... Did you have any challenges when you went out there looking for sponsors and, and people who would support you outside of your, your friends and family? Yeah, uh, actually, yeah. I mean, because some sponsors say it's a liability and some sponsors think it's, you know, it's, it's the best thing ever. And that's kind of, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a hard place because, I mean, when I first, you know, first got back riding, a lot of people did, a lot of people loved it you know, would love to have me come out and ride. And I didn't really have any problems until I went to, I got started getting good and going to actually to the national level. And uh, I actually went to the national level right after X Games in 2010, and they had mm-hmm. a race called the Mini Olympics. Mm-hmm. And uh, it all started out at, you know, Mini Olympics. I went there and I wanted to ride, and I went to sign up. I drove from Maryland all the way to Florida with me and my mechanic. And uh, we got there, and they told me that I wasn't allowed to race. Wow. And I was at, I asked them why, you know, what was the reason that I couldn't race? And they told me, they came up with a number of different reasons, but the main reason was because I was in a wheelchair. And, uh, you know, so a lot of people got involved, and, you know, I had to battle with them for a long time. And finally, they, you know, they came up with, different reasons in the rule book. So we were looking through the rule book, and it was nothing saying that a paralyzed guy can't ride, you know. So we got past all of that. Lawyers got involved, and they finally, you know, they they still were saying the same thing at first, but no. So we went home, and, you know, I was I, – it got, it got me a little discouraged, but not too much. I just told myself I would go home, I would train harder, 
and I will come back next year because that way I will be faster. There's no way they can tell me I can't race if I'm faster. And uh, so it was a, it's another race called Loretta Lynn's. I went home and I trained for that because that's the biggest race for any any amateur. Every all over the world, people come to race this race. And uh, I actually qual. You have to make it to the. You have to make it to area re- area qualifiers to a regional, and then mm-hmm. if you make it at the regionals, then you get to go to Loretta Lynn's. Is the country singer? It's her ranch in Tennessee. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, I wanted to go there so bad. So uh, we came home. I would train every day. And I actually qualified in the area qualifiers to the regional. I made it to regionals. And I was the only pair I've got to ever make it to a regional, you know, a big national regional event. And uh, so they let me, they took my money and the lawyers got involved. So they let me ride, they let me ride because, you know, everybody was furious that they didn't let me ride before. They heard the story and, you know, so they let me try to compete this time. And uh, I actually got up on the line at the last minute. They finally said, yeah, you can ride. Got on the line at the last minute. And uh, I went out there. I pulled the whole shot. I was in first place coming around the first turn. And they had mm. just wet the track, and I didn't know it. And I actually slid out and fell. Oh, uh, wow. So I made it to the regional, but I didn't get to actually race. And uh, last year was the first year that I actually went without any problems. So I went there, and, you know, they let me ride, and I missed qualifying by one spot. Mm. I've been working very hard and training every day for this year in the uh, mini Olympics. It's the whole week of November. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to be the first pair I've got to win a national able body title because right now I'm crowned as the, uh, the fastest pair I've got in the world. Mm-hmm. And I, I won that title, but I want to be able to beat everyone that's walking. So I won a national able body title. And that's what I've been working for. Wow. So I haven't so, had any problems so far after that event. So that's why right. I'm working so hard now to try to clinch this title. Now, falling in motocross is, is, you know, par for the course. Does that mean that you're out of the race because someone would have to help you up uh, if you fall? Well, it all depends on, you know, where I fall and how fast they get me up. But that's pretty much what it is. If I fall, then most of the time I'm out of the race. So. We've been mm. working and doing a lot of testing to not fall. You know, and it's kind of like a, a mental thing of me falling is because right. I, I make a mistake mentally. But uh, we've been we've been working on that very hard, and hopefully it will all come, you know, this November. Wow, that's awesome. I mean, <laughs> that makes it super hard. If that was the rule, if you fall, you're out. Imagine, <laughs> you could take a title, no problem. <laughs> yeah, that's the hardest part. Staying yeah, up. <laughs> yeah, but but lots of guys will fall and still be in the race. But you know that that's just amazing. So yeah, you have to fall, but I just yeah. gotta be. It, it's more of a mental thing than anything. You just have to, mm-hmm. you know, ride your own race and stay focused, and that's the main thing in it. Tell us about your sponsors now. Who's who's supporting you? Uh, I have Race Ready Fitness. I have Oakley. I have Etni Shoes. One Industries, uh, my mom and my dad, they helped me out a lot. I'm uh, glad you old, threw them in there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, God, every time before I race, I pray, so that helps me out, too. Oh, that, yeah, that's <laughs> and, awesome. Uh, all of my friends and family at Impulse, which is a graphic company. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty much it for right now. Yeah, yeah. And tell us a little bit about your faith and how, 
that played into your recovery as well and your positive attitude on life. Oh, say that one more time. Tell us a little bit more about your faith and your relationship with God and how that played into your recovery and your positive attitude about your situation and about life. Uh, it helped me out a lot. It played a big part of my recovery because my, you know, my grandma is she's very religious. She's been there for me every step of the way from my recovery. You know, without without God and without her, I just don't feel like I would be where I am today. Hmm. And, uh, it's pretty funny because I have another story. Cause, like when I was in the hospital, um, the doctors would come in and they would touch me and I wouldn't be able to feel anything. And my grandma came and she said a prayer for me and she touched me. And her hands were the first hands that I ever felt. And, uh, wow. Yeah, it was pretty cool. She went and get, got the doctors and the doctors <laughs> would come in and they would try to, you know, poke me and stick me and I wouldn't feel anything. And every time she would touch me, I would feel her cold hands. It was Pretty weird. Wow. Isn't that something? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That, that is really something. Well, you know, considering that you already have an, inju- an injury now, how, how dangerous is it for you to continue to compete? Uh, very dangerous. I mean, motocross is a dangerous sport. Absolutely. But, I mean, every, time, every time you get on a bike and you throw your leg over it, you just kind of know. Mm-hmm. You're taking a chance of falling and getting hurt, so you gotta kind of just just try your best not to get hurt. You know, I mean, just try to stay up and mm. and just not fall. That's the hardest part. A lot of people fall and get hurt. Like I said, it's a big mental game. So as long as you're mentally and physically strong, then you should be okay. But you can fall and get hurt at any minute, and you know, you know, you know the risk that you're taking when you get on a bike. Now, what has this this situation taught you? What have you learned that you think you can share with others to help them to go through whatever crisis they may be in at the moment that may seem insurmountable? I mean, anything is possible. And I tell people that all the time. I mean, a lot of people give up and, you know, a lot of people complain about different things throughout the day. But at the end of the day, you always have to think about, like, everyone has to go through a hardship and, you know, everybody has to deal with different things. and you think you might have had it bad, but it's always someone else that has it 10 times worse than you do. And you just got to think about that because while you're complaining, somebody else is suffering. And that's a that's a hard thing to do. You know, you have someone, you have someone else suffering 10 times worse than you and you're sitting there complaining about the little things. But you just got to thank God for every day and thankful, be thankful for everything that you have and try not to, try not to complain. So that's kind of how I look at it. Yeah, um, you're not just looking at it, though. You're living it, and um, you are a living testament to, you know, not feeling sorry for yourself and taking everything that you have and just using that, you know. Um, you know, not hoping for more than what you have at your grasp, but taking what you have and just making the most of your situation, so... And um, I, I, I watch the YouTube videos. Again, I just found out about you, and I'm watching the videos, and I'm losing my mind. Because, <laughs> oh, you. you know, no, seriously, because, as I said, I've ridden motocross before. I, I started when I was probably 13, 14 years old. Bike fell over on me, and I and I got, you know, premix all over my body, and that was the end for me. <laughs> that was crazy rash, and I'm like, I'm done, you know, but... 
you know, um, not only the crashes that I saw in the videos, but also um, understanding what it takes to win, understanding what it takes to, to maneuver that machine the way you would have to in order to compete. And, um, you know, I was only okay with all of my faculties. So, you know, to see you do that the way you do, I mean, I'm blown away. And, oh, um, thank you. I always yeah. tell everybody, I don't, think, I don't think anybody wants to win more than I do. So, <laughs> so that's I've apparent. Been, <laughs> yeah, so I've been, I've been back to the drawing boards because I just want to win so bad. I, I can't wait till November just to show everybody, you know, what I can do. And, and I, even though a lot of people support me, I've had, I've also had a lot of people tell me, you know, no, you can't do it or you're at a disadvantage or, you know, you're paralyzed. There's no way you can beat the able body. So I just can't wait till November so I can show everybody what I can do and prove those other people wrong and you know, just try to get more sponsors and continue doing what I'm doing and try to win. So that's mm-hmm. the best that's, that's the best thing. I just can't wait because I, I just love that feeling when you win and you're on the, you know, you're on the podium and everybody's cheering. It's just, it's an awesome feeling. So I just can't wait to can't wait to get there and achieve my goals. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I can, you know, I can hear the laser focus in your voice, man. Um, t- tell us a little bit more about your setup, because you know, generally, well, explain to everyone because they need to understand this where your controls are for your brakes and everything on a standard. Uh, motorcycle and how you've had to modify yours to bring everything up to the handlebars as you spoke about. Uh, well, everything is, I have, uh, usually you have the back brake, which is down by your foot mm-hmm. and uh, by your right foot. And I move right. my back brake up to my hand. I route it all the way up to my handlebars so I can use it with my left hand now. But what do you cart, use to initiate the brake? You, you actually use your back foot. So, I mean, your, your right foot to initiate it. Now I use my left, my left hand. So I just like it's kind of like usually you have a clutch on the left hand side, right? And I still have a clutch, but I actually have two levers now on my left oh, side. Oh, so I, I control the clutch and the back brake on the left handlebar. Okay. And uh, I actually have a cage around me too in case I fall over, you know, because the bike weighs you know two hundred fifty, three hundred three hundred pounds maybe. And, uh, you know, you don't want that falling on your legs, you know, so I, I can feel everything. I can feel my legs and everything, but I don't actually have full, I don't have that much movement in them at all. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't really move them. So I have a cage around my legs. So in case I fall, you know, it hits the cage instead of my legs. I have a seat that kind of straps me in. And uh, it's kind of like a regular seat, and I have a big hump behind me so that I can't, so that I don't slide back and forth. Right. And I actually have a Velcro strap that goes across my waist to strap me in. And uh, actually, my feet are also strapped in, to, in there, connected to the cage. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually strapped onto the bike, so I can't get off of the bike without being unstrapped. And uh, I have, what else is it? I have, Where do you shift gears? I actually have a shifter. I, I made a shifter, and I put a throttle tube. I put it on the left-hand side, and I use it to, and it's cables that run from it, and they run down to a special made shifter, and I just twist my hand. I twist the left throttle forward and back. Oh. So it's a lot of hand movements, but yeah, yeah, it's it, it a lot of concentration. I can tell you that. Right, part. right, because, <laughs> you know, all of this is, is 
motocross isn't just about the ability to move the bike and shift the weight, but it's also about a rhythm. Yeah. And, you know, when you learn that rhythm and then you have to change everything around and learn it and it's forced to just, you know, your hands. Yeah, that that's tough stuff because you're steering, too, with your hands. So. Yeah, yeah, you're doing a lot of things with your hands and moving, and it's, it's a lot. So it takes a lot of concentration. <laughs> right, right. And um, so even with all of that, you don't consider yourself at an unfair disadvantage in, in trying to compete? I mean, I, I'm at a disadvantage, but it's, I still feel that I can win. I always tell everyone, when everyone's, when everyone's working, I have to work 10 times harder if I want to win. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I do every day when I'm, that's that's um, that's another thing that keeps me motivated. Like when I know everyone's working, I just have to work harder. If I want to be on the top, be on the top spot in the box, you know, be on the podium. So, right, I have to work hard. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, you know, will this event be televised? You're going to be at the mini Olympics. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think some of it will be televised, and if not, they'll have a. Uh, video of it on verbmoto.com or racex.com. It's a couple of different websites that you could go to and, you know, watch different videos from it. But I'm pretty sure that, you know, I'll be on I'll be on camera and be ready. The news actually came in film when they didn't let me ride. They actually did a news story. So when I get there this year, I'm pretty sure they'll come and do a follow-up story on me, and that'll be on the Internet as well. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And, um, yeah, we'll be looking for that. We'll post some of that as well uh, on my page. And, um, yeah, definitely want to follow your career and just see how things um, progress for you. Because um, at this point, you're really getting the hang of this thing. Oh, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm definitely trying. So. Oh, well, well yeah, I, I saw you ride, and it was just like, wow, um, you know. If it were not for me noticing you not rising up off of the seat, you couldn't tell the difference. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and yeah, and uh, I saw you coming out some of the berms, and I was just like, man, this guy's going hard. It's just not what I expected, you know. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so um, yeah, very, yeah, was, very impressive. I was actually riding in California, and uh, it's uh, kind of like a section called the Whoop section. I was coming through, and the mm-hmm. guy was yelling at me, and I was wondering why he was yelling. And I, I rode over to him, and he's like, stand up. I said, I can't. So I'm paralyzed. He started laughing. He was like, oh, I was wondering why you weren't standing up. That's so funny. Because <laughs> he didn't know. He was just wondering. I was wondering oh. why you had the cage and everything around you. And I was like, yeah, I can't walk. <laughs> wow. So that was That's amazing. Funny. Yeah, and um, do, do you find that often, that people really don't realize that your, your setup is because of your um, – you're being paralyzed? Uh, sometimes, I actually, you know, people will come over and ask me. And, yeah, sometimes people come over and ask me, and that's how I, you know, I, I get to figure it out. Once they come over and talk to me, they always ask me, I say, what is, what is that cage for? What is, why is your seat like that? And they always wonder why my bike is different. But yeah. I get a lot of exposure because of my bike, because people come over and wonder why it's so different than everyone else. Now, are the sponsors helping you out now with the customization of the bike, or is that still all you? Uh, it's all me right now. I mean, my sponsors help me out a lot now, but I definitely need more sponsors. So mm-hmm. hopefully after I win this title, a lot more of something to help me will be willing to help. So. 
that's one of the reasons I can't wait to just show everybody what I can do and prove to them that I'm here for I'm here to win. And and just tell people out there what they can do to help you if they're corporate sponsors or whatever. How can they contact you and, and what what you really need right now to be able to help you to do what you do better? Oh, just right now it's pretty much money for you know bikes and parts and travel and things like that. They can contact me through you know Facebook, Darius Glover. I'm on Facebook or email or. Anything or my number, you know, I have actually have a site. It's not up right now, but my site should be up, Glover117.com, and a lot of people can contact me through there. And you you mentioned, um, well, I saw it in your bio that you would like to um, continue to do some motivational speaking as well. Have you actually started on that as yet? Yeah, I've actually spoke at Johns Hopkins, and I spoke at it for a few uh football teams around Maryland, and that's actually what I want to do. That's kind of like the career that I want to go into, too. And when I'm not, like, training, I want to be able to go around and speak, you know, do motivational speaking because a lot of people tell me how inspirational I am, and I feel like that will help a lot of other people, too, so that would be awesome to start doing that, too, or continue to do it. And why is that important to you? Just to be able to keep everyone, you know, up and doing what the and going forward, being able to move forward and have a positive outlet, a positive outlook on everything that they do as as well as I'm doing. And just like I'm helping them, it also helps me to know that I'm helping other people. And it just makes me feel good when I know that I'm helping others. You know, when someone speaks to you and they see your positive attitude, um, it kind of makes their problems seem a lot smaller, doesn't it? Uh, I, I think so. I mean, they tell me it, it does, so, I mean, Mm-hmm. As long as it's helping them, I feel good about it. So I, I just love to help other people. I've always loved to help others. It kind of just help. It helps keep me. It just helps keep keeps me going. You know, one of the things I think is very unique about you, Darius, is um, when this happened, you never bought into being in a situation that you could not handle. You never bought into that. You always fought against it. Always tried to make the most of it. And you you continue to push forward throughout. As I've been talking to you, I never heard, and I kept looking for this point in your life where you took this thing all the wrong way, and I'm not finding it. And and I just find that so intriguing that for some reason this happened, and you never got angry at anyone. You you never um, felt like you had to quit or change your goals in your life. And I just think that's amazing. I I don't know how you do it, but I'm a I'm a I'm gonna keep my eye on you so I can figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah. It's just yeah. kind of like you just you can't have a pity party for yourself. You just gotta keep moving forward. And I feel like everything in life happens for a reason, and mm-hmm. uh, this was my reason was to help others. It helps me, it helps others, and you know you just can't look, you just can't have a negative outlook on it. You just think positive and keep going. And I feel like it helps others, so it makes me it makes me feel good about it. So there's no there's no reason to look down about it or you know blame anybody else for any you know any of your problems. You just have to just keep going, keep pushing. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back, and we'll talk a little bit more, and um, we'll we'll close out the show shortly after this. We'll just take a quick break, and we'll come back after okay. this. 
Failure is not an option. It's an opportunity. Look, I'm not perfect, and though I've made many mistakes, I'm not a failure. Why may you ask? Because I rarely give up on anything. I'm not afraid to take a chance and be wrong. Why? For in every mistake hides a lesson called wisdom. And guess what? I'm not concerned with what others may think about my failed attempts. That's just me. It has become a part of who I am, and I'm cool with that. The truth is, when others would watch me and criticize my actions and assume that they were watching me do it all wrong, in actuality, they were watching me learn, grow, become wiser, and eventually an expert in the very thing that I would later accomplish and then master. This has been the way I've learned since I was a child, and it's a process that I've embraced to this very day because it is the most effective way of learning that I know. A very wise man once said, There is a positive side to everything that we survive in our lives. Every defeat, hurt, humiliation, or sickness will either lead us to a better place or change the way we live our lives. Even the man who attempts the thing that was once thought impossible very often has little competition. What I'm saying is, don't be afraid to fail. Look, don't plan to fail, but be not afraid. We don't always get to choose how we will be taught life's lessons. Our only choice is how we choose to respond. We cannot simply say that maybe things will go my way next time or blow off our mistakes and then try again. We must resolve to learn the lesson hidden in our errors, stay true to ourselves, and the goal of the better person that we know that we're going to be through our trials, and resist our negative responses, attitudes, and placing blame on others. If we don't, truth be told, you have less time than you think to get it right. I guess what I'm really trying to say is that it's okay to fail as long as your failure is driven by a quest for knowledge, wisdom, and a measure of truth. Hi, I'm Michael Fordham, host of A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com, and I want to take a quick minute to talk to you about Young Lives. Young Lives is a unique, cutting-edge, nonprofit Christian organization designed to empower and equip pregnant and parenting teen moms to become productive citizens in the community, a program that partners teens and mature Christian women to provide teen girls in crisis with timely encouragement, guidance, and ongoing support. Through the power of presence, Kids and teens' lives are dramatically impacted when caring adults come alongside them, sharing God's love. Because someone believes in them, they begin to see that their lives have great worth, meaning, and purpose. This is just the first step of a lifelong journey. The choices they make today, based on God's love for them, will impact their future decisions, the careers they choose, the marriages they form, and the families they raise. All of this can be traced back to the time when a young life leader reached out 
and entered their world. Your support will provide girls with an opportunity to attend parenting classes, summer camp, and empowerment programs that just might change their lives. To learn more, visit their website at younglivesdc.younglife.org or call the regional director, Sharon Holland, at 202-399-7017. Today is just another day for most of us, but yesterday, millions of exceptional, brilliant people decided that they were going to do something this day that would change their lives for the better and potentially the lives of hundreds more. Some even awoke with an unheard of sense of determination, focus, and vision, ready to leap forward and make that big change in their lives. In reality, most awoke pretty much the same way as most of us with today's office grind, tasks, checklists, calendars, and chores for the day as their primary concern. Sadly, some forgot yesterday's decision when they awoke, and others were just too afraid to try, and some just too stubborn to change, and many who forgot that tomorrow is not promised did not make it to see the sunrise today. I can't emphasize this enough. There is no time like the present. Whatever you want for your tomorrow, the effort has to start today. Better yet, right now. God has embedded in us a will and life purpose we may succeed at any number of things, but this is the one thing that we can be assured to be much bigger than ourselves. It is our opportunity to accomplish the amazing, touch the lives of a multitude of people, and leave this world that we live in a much better place due to our efforts. Yeah, but first we have to take action. Take bold steps to crush our fear with confidence, destroy our insecurity with intense determination, and implement a decisive plan that will turn obstacles into minor adjustments and defeat into monuments of mistakes that we will never make again, all because of the wisdom we obtained that special day. You know what? There is no stopping people who truly care about the lives of others. I would dare say that they are invincible because nothing can destroy the human spirit. Why is it that I feature nonprofits and charities on my show so often? It's not just because that they are awesome and a rare breed of individuals. It's because they selflessly do the work that matters because others won't. And just because it's the right thing to do. How huge is that? But they do need your help. They first need you to be informed and aware. And I think we've taken care of that. Next, they need you to take action. Become a part of this solution. Or is today just another day? You already did something great today. You woke up this morning. The question is, who will you be today? Take a close look. Therein lies a measure of truth. Welcome back, Truth Seekers. You're listening to A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com, and we're talking with Darius Glover. Welcome back, Darius. Oh, hey, how you doing? All right, all right. Hey, um, so are you also on Twitter as well? And Yes, I'm also on Twitter. Did you get 117. That's my oh, name. okay, gotcha, gotcha. All right. 
and um, you have quite a few plants already now. Tell tell us how they're communicating with you. How do you mostly um, get your um, responses back from people that are following you now? Uh, usually, if anybody ever Facebooks me or Twitter messages me, I, I message them right back. I try to reply to all my fans and everyone who talks to me. Right, and this is a real page where you are actually communicating with those folks, not somebody else who handles that for you. So that's it. Yeah, I communicate with everyone. That is actually me. It's my real pages. <laughs> All right, awesome, awesome. You know, well, I'm looking forward to this up and coming race, and up, you know, I'm, I'm gonna find some more YouTube videos on you as well. Some of them were a little rough, man. One of them, you got your hand messed up pretty bad. Well, I didn't need to see that, but. <laughs> yeah, that's actually when I first started back racing. So uh-huh. uh, there's actually some old footage on there now, but uh, I'm actually doing a documentary right now. I have I have one of my friends who's really good with video editing, and he's worked for MTV and a few other things, so he's pretty good. And uh, he's actually doing my documentary for me right now. And actually, if anyone else wants to help and you know help fund it. They can also help with that too, but we should have some new YouTube footage up pretty soon. Sounds good, so, man. It sounds like sounds like a Kickstarter. Have you heard yeah. about that website, Kickstart? No, I haven't heard about that. Well, you guys need to look that up because um, you can be funded on a project either uh, a not-for-profit or for-profit project, and you pretty much write about what you're trying to do, and um, people donate money. Oh, I didn't know that. You didn't know it. It's called Kickstart. You probably, you know, if you Google that term normally, you'd be looking for a new Kickstarter for your bike. But (laughs) this is something different, right? And this is really just to help people with new ideas and new businesses to be able to um, share their ideas with people who would like to have a part of it. So, yeah, definitely look that up and, and see if that's something that would help you guys along with your project. Because there yeah. are lots of film projects on there, and I'm sure that that would definitely interest people because your story is amazing. Oh, thank you. Definitely. I have to check that out, look it up, and try to get, try to get someone to help donate for it. And uh, yeah. I'm also starting a nonprofit organization, too, but it's not done yet, but it's in the process of getting finished. Oh, okay. Well, tell us a little bit about that, about what it um, actually hopes to highlight. Oh, uh, well, since I've been doing, a, I've been starting my career off with the motivational speaking, and uh, that's been helping people. I also want to help people uh, with motocross and be able to bring people to the track and, you know, just kind of show them what motocross is and what it's all about and how it's a family sport and help other people. And uh, I just pretty much want to introduce it to people that don't really know a lot about it and also for some injured athletes or Pretty much people, anyone injured that wants to become an athlete is just helping, you know, it's there to help them. And that's what we have right now, and that's what we're going off of. So hopefully the nonprofit organization will be able to help other people, just like the motivational speaking is. Mm -hmm. And And I think a lot of sports, too, could could use some ingenuity in trying to understand how to adapt um, that sport to someone who has um, lost the use of a limb or has a, a new disability that they're trying to deal with. And, um, you know, you never know. You you may have the mind because you, apparently you have the mind of an engineer to be able to create 
um, a bike that works for you. Who knows, you might be able to apply that to some other sports as well. Yeah, hopefully. That's what I'm trying to do, just help any other injured athlete, and hopefully we can be able to accomplish that. Yeah, and that's great because, you know, the first part of that in helping someone is to, to um, sort of address what they're going through mentally as well as far as that transition. And um, I, I think you've got a great story for that, and you seem to have um, the right drive and, the you know, the right mindset to be able to transfer that to someone else who may be going through something that's really difficult. Oh, thank you. Yeah, because I've also had a, I've had other injured injured athletes that no longer compete, but they, because of, because of their injury, and you know they say that they can't do it, but they're living their life right. They're living their sports, you know, dreams and stuff through me. And uh, I kind of just tell them, you know, like I understand you're living, you know, living it through me, but you can also join back in and doing the same way that I am. So that's kind of what I want to do, be able to help people get back into it kind of the same way that I am and uh, have people to go to and help them do it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, well, I, I look forward to, um, you know, hearing what you're doing as far as um, your nonprofit as well. We'd love to have you back on when you get that up and running and talk a little bit about it. And if um, if you have any um need for resources or just questions about some things that have to do with um, business in general or just need to be able to find some, some new connections, um, please stay in contact with me. Um, are you on LinkedIn as well? Uh, no, I'm not on LinkedIn yet. Yeah, well, when you start this nonprofit or even with this film project, you might want to put yourself out there just so that people know where you are, who you are, and what you're doing. And you'll be surprised at how many folks will just flock to you. Okay. Well, I'll definitely have to check in. Thanks for the information. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, LinkedIn is like Facebook for businesses. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yep. And um, so, you know, as soon as you find out um, exactly what you need as far as that business as well, let me know. We'll talk about it. We'll bring you back on the show as well, and let's just see who we can get in on this and um, get you some help because it's all about, you know, networking and resources. Yeah, networking is the key. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But, um, yeah, you got a built-in story, and I think that story of yours has a lot of traction, a lot of miles on it, so I think you ought to put it to good use. Oh, that's why I'm trying to get it out. Hopefully with the documentary it will get out a lot because that's what I really want to get it out and tell everybody about it so, you know, they can also do the same and keep going, keep moving forward and just keep progress. Yeah, that's great. And um, is there anything else, anyone else do you want to recognize who's been um, instrumental in helping you to continue your career? Uh, just all my family and friends and current sponsors, just thank you. Thank you a lot. And pretty much get so far. <laughs> Yeah, and I I think we covered every question I had for you and more, (laughs) which is great, which is really good. And, um, you know, I just wish you all the best, and uh, I'll be rooting for you. I hope they televise that event, and I'll I'll go ahead and um, set up a little uh, Google alert for this mini Olympics. And um, as soon as I find out some information about that, I'll be looking for your name. Okay, it'll be in Gainesville, Florida, and it's – 
from the whole week of Thanksgiving. It's a week-long race, and people can. I'm, I think you can go on uh, MX Sports and check out the uh, check out the results and everything from it. And like I said, they'll have they should have live updates, and I'll be on Facebook updating everyone every step of my way. All right. Now, is this also a um, a part of the X Games, or is this separate? Oh no, this is separate. But I actually want to be able to go back to X Games and uh, be in 2013 and be one of the first paralyzed athletes to do the best lift competition. So hopefully, I get accepted to do that, and you know, also break down the, another barrier and reach another one of my goals. So 2013 best lift games club. Oh, that's awesome. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Darius, and I really appreciate you um, coming on today, and uh, we just look forward to following your career. And make sure that you get my contact information from my producer because we'd love to have you back on again. Thank you um, for having me. Yeah, and, and let us know if anything new comes up. Just, you know, we'll contact each other on Facebook or whatever. And, um also, I think I'd like to have you in on some other, um, some of these other nonprofits and other folks that we have on. So, you know, be on standby. Maybe giving you a call just to, um, maybe we can frame another show. Okay, that works. Thank you. It was uh-huh. an honor to be on your show, and thanks for having me, and hope to come back on soon. All right, then. Thanks a lot, Darius, and you have a great one. Okay. This is Michael Fordham, and you've been listening to A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. And a special thanks to our producer, Donna Hardiman, and also for our content producer, Sharon Alston. I appreciate you bringing this story to me. Really, it was just wonderful. I'm Michael Fordham, and you've been listening to A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. But before you go, here's a little something to take with you. Ask God for wisdom daily, but know that your lesson can come from anybody or any situation, good or bad, friend or foe. Watch your thoughts. They become words. And watch your words. They become actions. And watch your actions. They become habits. And watch your habits. They become your character and watch your character it becomes your destiny until we meet again take care of what becomes of you
la 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 la